Welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, Tom Jacobs. How are we doing, sir? We're good. I feel like I'm getting a little bit of like fatigue at the end of the season and not doing the shows, not doing the picks, because I love like absolutely love being part of, of this show, being part of Mayo Media Network, like speaking to you every week. The process is always fun, right? But when we get to Sunday and the, the chances are just not there or we've had a chance, it's not gone our way, like it's it's getting a little bit like banging a head against the wall. So with all that said, we're gonna get one this week. Um we we keep going, Sky. Um you've got lovely brilliant blue sky behind you, as we can see there, uh gazing through your window. Um it's it's a bit darker here and later in a in the UK. Um but uh it's this is a, a brilliant golf course that you probably wouldn't want to watch or play too often because it's very, very difficult and can be a little bit unfair, but once a year it's great. Yeah, I love I love this test of golf. You know, um, Del Dorama has the U.S. Open feel to the sense of how, how difficult it's going to be. You're you're hovering around par, and that's a that's a very good score uh, this week. And we don't, I mean, you rarely get it on the PGA Tour, and and you definitely rarely get it over here. Um, but yeah, it's something year in and year out that I look forward to. Um, last week, Spanish Open was pretty opposite of that. Um, John Rahm, though, was was unbelievable, especially on Sunday, 62, winning by six strokes after, you know, what it was. It was looking dicey-ish early Sunday, Saturday afternoon, trailing um, behind. But he is somebody who really steps up, you know, when he is the clear favorite in a field. And um, there were some comments where, you know, it's it's never easy to win a golf tournament. Of course, it is, quote unquote, easier to win in a weaker field. But being the favorite, being in his home country, trying to tie Seve um, with, you know, all-time record. You know, it's a it's a brilliant performance. Good on John Rahm. I uh, wish he was playing this week. I would like him taking on Valderrama. That would be fun. Um, but, no, good on John for winning. Uh, it was good. It was really good. I think the first couple of days I felt like the comments we made about not necessarily that he was beatable, but that, you know, the value wasn't quite there or you can't really chance him at that price was – was looking pretty good, right? Like he was getting pretty frustrated, doing a little bit of the John Rahm that we know of John Rahm, where he gets a little bit angry and and was getting a bit wild off the tee. And then all of a sudden it just clicked. Like I think it was like the back nine on Friday, um, just turned it on, made a couple of birdies, maybe even the eagle, I think he did. And then Saturday just, you know, took off. And, you know, you shoot at 62 in the final round, serve to win if you're in contention, right? It's no good shooting 62 if you're in 30th place and probably can't climb up, but... When you're in the position that he was in, you shoot that, you, you deserve to win. So there is a very clear golfing quality when players like him, players like Matthew Fitzpatrick this week, come over to these events now. Um, funny how we view Matthew Fitzpatrick now. Like last year, I'd have said he's a very, very strong DP World Tour player who does still look a class above some of these guys, but wasn't like a John Rama-esque. And all of a sudden now, doesn't feel too dissimilar to last week. I, th- I, think, I think there's still... Because of the golf course, I think it's hard to really separate yourself. But I could see people wanting to back him as a favorite. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. And I think we can let's just dig in. I guess before we before we dive in, I always went to the end. So let's let's say it early. We have you know availability on all of our audio uh, platforms for those that are podcast listeners. You can find us at Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, the Mix, um, available there. Mayo Media Network. 
rocking a, a Mayo Media Network shirt here, run the Sims, um, supporting Pat and uh, Justin Freeman, you know, on the NFL side of things, it's kicking off and going well over there. But, you know, the support across the network is always so huge um, for, for all of us, you know, Tom and myself, you know, working hard to make sure we get this content out. I know it's been on Tuesday the last couple of weeks, work's picking up in the fall swing, Tom's Pat going in and out of London for his job, everything's a little bit busier here now that um, the storm is cleared in Florida. So we appreciate again all of the support, and it goes a long way to leave our uh, you know ratings, reviews, YouTube likes, um, comments on there. We we really uh, really appreciate the support from everybody. Yeah, it's great because this part of the podcast is probably most aimed at the uh, the audio listeners here, and I am just nodding and and smiling, <laughs> and, and all those people that are listening right now have no idea that I'm doing that. Um, but it's so true. Like, you know, if, if you do watch the YouTube video, just go and, you know, download it on, on iTunes or, or Spotify as well, just to kind of give that kind of boost. You know, we do really appreciate the support. We appreciate, you know, I love the messages that we get on a Monday saying like, what, no show with you and Sky this week? And it's like, yeah, no, there is coming. Like, just, you know, patience is a virtue. Um, and, and people are, you know, people are incredibly patient. People are still supporting on a Tuesday. So really love to see that and, and really love to get into these events. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, without further ado, you, you mentioned Matt Pat, Fitz, Fitzpatrick right off the top. Uh, plus 550 is the longest he is currently in the States. I think there was a, maybe a, a 650 or a 13 to 2 uh, overseas yesterday. Um, but, yeah, I think exactly your point. It, it does. What feels odd is, I guess, yes, the caliber of golfers is, is quite similar. I mean, you'd probably. I think standalone say Fitzpatrick had a better year than what John Rahm did overall. Yeah. But yeah, seeing it on an odds board like this, especially where it's amplified as Fitz is the only one here. And then the next best golfer on the odds board is 18 to one. You're getting good prices on some other golfers down the board, but it is a, a deserving favorite. Of course, last year's winner, um, somebody who, when you, when conditions crank up, when you need to be long and straight, when you need an around the green game, you know, I mean, fits fits the mold perfectly. So that being aside, I still, I would say I'm more tempted than most weeks if I was to just make an easy decision and say, okay, Fitz could could do this back-to-back years. I'm willing to take, take, take some chances with a couple of guys a little bit deeper on the odds board, even without places, and a lot deeper with some places there. But I couldn't draw probably a better course for fifth. It's the uh, international U.S. Open, pretty much. And I think the thing is as well, like we, we had it last week where we could have very easily had John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay double, which, you know, is something that could have happened. We we sort of view the full season as a time on the PGA Tour where people can win as long shots, and it probably doesn't happen as much as the, the perception is. And certainly on the DP World Tour, like this is the business end of the season now. These are some of the toughest events, toughest golf courses. So um, actually, DP World Tour has been pretty spoiled for golf courses over the last few weeks. And, um, you know, I think the, the better players will come to the fore. I think it's one of those things where, like, you don't need distance here because it's so technical. It's very much about keeping in the fairways, hitting greens, staying on the right side of the greens, etc. But the fact that Fitz has added that to his game and now he can, because you, you talk about when you think about long hitters not really succeeding here, and then you think that like Adrian House was second, Wilco Nairnavi was sixth, like John Rahm's, you know, been up there. Like, no, you don't need distance, but I think it always helps everywhere. And the fact that Fitz could probably club down an extra club this week um, is probably a bonus as well. 
And then you've got the, the thing of course experience versus course form, right? Which I think we always, we, we've kind of touched upon a couple of times. I don't necessarily think you have to have come here and finished second, third, fifth and seventh to, you know, to suggest that you can win. Like, I think if you've been here before, that pays a lot. So John Catlin and Matthew Fitzpatrick both uh, lost, uh, both missed a cut on their debuts before winning here. But I think it's just those two rounds or um, Fitzpatrick getting Billy Foster on a bag, or whatever, just getting that little bit of experience and know-how of the golf course uh, can be critical. So I think looking at people that have made cuts, you know, consistently here and maybe just haven't broken through, I think there's one or two shots you can get back every every round here, you know, from silly errors, from scrambling or whatever, being stuck behind a tree. So I wouldn't necessarily rule people out just because they seem to have peaked at fifteenth uh, or twentieth. Yeah, I um, I agree, and, and I, I like your point in not saying distance is necessarily um, a certified advantage. Um, I I would argue the fact that I think off you have to gain off the tee. You do, and some of the guys that have been successful may not be accurate and be longer, but still. If you can be long and straight here, like Fitz has displayed, it, it's the, the perfect opportunity for that. So um, I am targeting golfers um, kind of who might side a little bit more of the distance, but they do gain off the tee substantially and they can chip it with the best of them. And I'll, and I'll go right into it. And it's because I think um, why I'm, I'm off Fitz personally is, is I'm probably on two win only bets, sub 30 to one. Um, and it's two golfers, when I think of off the tee and around the green combined kind of and focus at the top of the leaderboard, um, the first one to me is, is Min Woo Lee. Like, and we saw, I, I hinted that I was very close to betting Min Woo Lee last week. And it, it, he's, I, I don't love betting him at 22s. Or I think he's out to 25 at one, at, at a book here in the States. Um, I'm In general, betting him at a short number is is difficult because of his wide variety of, of finishes that he's had, like can, can absolutely have but you can see him with sky high talents playing against the best in the world contending or being in the mix or top 20 in a major you know like he has like that is elite talent and he has it on display um and the way you go about this golf course is exactly what min Woo lee um, does best in my opinion so like to see him spike last week the number to drop, unfortunately, you know, doesn't fall the way. But I don't want to walk away not betting him because, I mean, 23rd on debut, second here last year, coming off the third place finish. I I really, really love Min Woo Lee this week. So I think I think the thing for me, and you've already hit the nail on the head, is like the price because, like, there's been a couple of times where we've both kind of got into Min Woo Lee this season thinking it was the week, right? And in a couple of times where, like, he's been a big price and, like, he's just gone to a big price and there's time to get on him and he's not done it. And it's whether I've been burned by them. I was really bullish about him on Sunday when I saw his, like, Instagram post saying about how good he felt about how he was in contention, how supportive the Spanish fans were. That's always a nice thing to hear the week before you go into Valderrama. Like, Valderrama, as much as anything else, is going to be a confidence goal, of course. If he's confident in his game, there's going to be a bonus. Uh, like you say, elite touch around the greens. They always talk about it on the commentary, probably too much, but they always talk about it in the commentary. Um, off the tee, great. I don't know whether his irons worry me a little bit. And and I don't know if it's just because he gains so much off the tee that his irons sort of get negatively impacted sometimes. Like, I think if you probably look at his greens and regulation numbers, they're probably fine. But like, 
I'd just like to say, it's just consistency, right? I just don't know what to expect from him. I know he's been good hit twice, um, but just for a 20-odds one goal, for I just I want to know what I'm getting. Yeah, and it's picking the spot, you know, for me. Like, I am trying to pick him as the winner. I'm not going to get places at 25-1. <clears> to one. Yeah. You know, It's not really how I, I normally bet when it's down there. I just think he does have that ability to win, and I've been waiting for this spot for Minwoo, and it's just something where kind of all stars are aligning, in my opinion, for him, one. And then I, I bucket another golfer very, very similar um, in the sense and, – and maybe similar as a stretch because this golfer has been – probably the most consistent um, one on the DP world tour all, all season. I mean, if you look at kind of last 50 rounds, he is, you know, I would say the second best. Yeah. Clearly second best golfer tee to green overall. And he does that mainly through off the tee. He's decent around the greens. He just can't really find the putter. And when you see these courses that par is a good score where, you know, they're going to battle around there. You, you mentioned, US, I've mentioned US Open many times. I think of it as like like this, like Zalatoris. Like the Zalatoris mold of, on the DP World Tour is Jordan Smith. Like that, that is Jordan Smith. Just hit the absolute crap out of the ball and try to run hot with the putter. And, um, you know, that is what I like to see heading into to Valderrama. I mean, Smith, 15th here last year was his best finish. Um, you know, has had three top 12s um, in his last five events. He's just had a heck of a year overall. A strong, strong year. You're finding Jordan Smith 28th at DraftKings Sportsbook um, this week. And again, that's going to be a win-only spot for me. And that's, that's a lot to say for Jordan Smith. But I, if I'm picking one Fitzpatrick or this two combination of guys, I, I like the even a little bit more of odds uh, on both of these guys combined taking on there when I look at the top of the board. So you've taken the two guys that I would be tempted at at the, at the price, right? And I sort of said to you earlier in the day, like, I would probably end up on one of them. I still haven't. Um, Jordan Smith would probably be the closest. My, my my biggest peeve with him is I just don't think he can win. Like he hasn't hard enough time winning, and then you're going to come to probably one of the most pressure packed golf courses on the tour. Is he going to do it? The the belief I imagine in, in what you think is that he'll just eventually get out to such a comfortable lead that actually hanging on would be easier than than trying to contend, right? So you look at his last what I mean five or six results instead of calling his cuts, but seventh to seventh. And he was actually disqualified at the Alfred Dunhill, but opened with a 66, I believe, to sit kind of 11th on day one. I think he signed for an incorrect score or something on day two. Uh, shooting. Right, he didn't want to play in the conditions. I, I, I want to play in those conditions. So, yeah, he probably did that on purpose. Um, I j- yeah, it was just one of those ones where, like, he's this is probably the third week in a row now, or third event of his in a row now, that I've been tempted to play Jordan Smith. I just... His price doesn't seem to move um, either way. Like, maybe that's just, you know, it speaks to his consistency, right? But like, if he ever gets that kind of like 40, 50 to one number in an event, like maybe even like Dubai or whatever, like at the end of the year, I think that'd be a really enticing number. Yeah. And it's it's two, two golfers that I'm really trying to pick a spot and be like, this is the week. This is the game I'm suiting at, suiting for. And these are shorter numbers than, than I, I'm normally betting, you know, most weeks. I'm looking yeah. for places. I'm looking for spots. And I just really feel that combination. And I, I separate them both with the course profile than anybody else in this range. I think Ryan Fox has had a heck of a year. I liked Morant because Morant does it off the tee, but not as good of a chipper. You know, um, you get McIntyre here. You know, you have 
you have quality. I mean, Rasmus Hoygaard can, can obviously drive it. You know, you talk about golfers who have hit it, you know, the best of anybody this year, you know, Rosner right in that mix, but it doesn't come as much from the short game. I, I just, I could pick a hole in almost all the other golfers. Um, I would say I would probably be most tempted additionally by Thomas Dietrich because he, he's played sneaky well and, and not given as much credit, it feels like, but I don't know. I, I just, I love the games a little bit more of the other guys. Dietrich's coming from the PGA tour. He wasn't in Spain last week, you know, like, it, or I guess the other two were, or, or Smith wasn't either, but um, I don't know. I think those two, the spots that jumped out to me the most. And, and then I take a trip down the odds board personally before um, I start uh, any more of, of guys deeper. Yeah. I mean, look, like Thomas Dietrich, you mentioned that like we've, we've said this a lot recently that like if they're playing, to a level on the PJ Tour that Thomas Dietrich is at the moment. I mean, 36th, 8th, and 31st. Um, sorry, that's his course form. On his current form, like just the way he's been playing on the uh, the PJ Tour with 12th and 9th place finishes, like it's really impressive. And I just, I don't, I don't know if it's a full storm with Thomas. Like, I mean, he was two rounds of 65 last week, so he's gone 12th, 9th, and 69th, but shot two rounds of 65. Anyone else, we're kind of sitting there thinking, like we talked about Lucas Herbert, talked about Kitty Armour coming back over here, that like there's been a lot of stocking going in. So I don't know. Like Obviously, I just accidentally read out his course numbers of 36th, 8th, and 31st, and I'm trying to read out his current form. Like It's good enough, right? Um, so Dietrich is interesting. I start with Yannick Paul, which I actually thought you would. Um one of my biggest fears in life is showing up to the show and you're being on a guy that I've given up on. And it, and it, like, it, cause there's every reason to bet Yannick. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, look, I looked at the golf course and, and don't think it's a Yannick Paul golf course. So why am I doing it? Um, because I'm trying to go against my instincts slightly in the fact that I think you look at the R analysis, you look at the nine A's, you look at, and he's not as long as those guys. Right. But like, it feels like he's better off on a wide open layout. But when you look at his like location form in Spain, like he's played three times in Spain in 2022, eighth, 10th, and 52nd. He had a second place finish on the Challenge Tour Grand Final last year. Uh, he improved every day last week with his irons, two top uh, 10 strokes gain approach rounds to, over the weekend. That's the second time in four weeks that he's had top 12 strokes gain approach weeks. You look at his season as a whole, like we just you know, two uh, top eight finishes over the past three weeks add to the eighth at the Joburg, tenth at the ISPS and uh, second at the Sadal. He's in a spot for a DP World Tour like championship base. Like he's 42nd and he's got to stay in the top 50. Like he's just playing really, really good golf. And I just think at 45 to one, or that's the number we've got over here. Like there's still enough about him. Like I think, I think he's a type that can be sensible off the tee to get it round here as he needs to. I think he's solid enough around the greens, if not spectacular. And his approach numbers are really, really good. So it just depends. Hasn't got that course experience, but likes the area. And I really like that. Yeah. No, I, I'm i with you. I, I really like Yannick overall. Uh, I was very actually happy with how Jeremy Paul played last week. He was really too. Good. We mentioned him yeah. on the show. He ended up being like $6,400 on DraftKings, finished inside the top 20. Um, Jeremy Paul was kind of a steal last week, hoping he gets more starts um, over here. What are your thoughts on, I guess both, but let's focus on Yannick for the, for the sake of this show, long term. Like, How good do you think he is? 
I was just checking up through to see where he stood on the challenge tour graduating rank. So it's third. I would have thought he would be first in that manner. Yeah. Because the other guys have fallen off ahead of him. It's Hurley Long and it's Oliver Becker that are one and two in front of him. I mean, I, I mean, I would think he's the the number one of the class. So so you put somebody like that number one of the class, and I number one of a class after the year, you know, like, cause I think what Tari Oban had an amazing year on the challenge tour then comes up and, and hasn't fought through. We haven't really seen the dominate the challenge tour and then come up and have a big run for a whole season and beyond on the DP world tour in a little bit of time. It's normally these other guys that end up kind of, um, you know, spots that they, they qualify yeah. maybe. Yeah. And then we see somebody else. I think Yannick Paul's talent is, is, very do, high like, like i do would you think he can be a pj tour player i like it i think so i mean he held his own on those events stateside i mean like, like i guess you put him side by side between like like i guess there's probably there's four years five years difference of age but like maddie schmidt like i think yannick's like right now i take yannick over maddie schmidt i mean the odds board they're they're a one and a half i mean all it took was the difference of three good weeks, right? For any of these guys to be PGA tour players. Um, So I I think Yannick is better than some of, some of those guys that ended up getting through on uh, Q school. Yeah. I'm just trying to work out just how good I think his potential is. If I think he's going to be a PGA tour player, which I think he can be, I don't know if he sustains it for very long where he's just no good purple patch, but if he is, this is a, a really good like price for him in a, in a, almost like a buy low spot which sounds weird at 45 to one but like it, it does feel like that i think yeah no i i'm i'm big on him um we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago um so it would have been the kazoo yeah where i don't say uh, i went in with a profile of who we kind of thought would fit it um and how are we going to attack that week and, I, and i'm doing kind of a similar route of attack for this week and i think another golfer that that fits this bill perfectly and i think when conditions get you know ramped up this golfer is the one who can do it through ball striking he he i'd say the putter has been better this year for sure than it was i guess for sure so a lot to say but you know it spiked a little bit but like i I think eduardo molinari has been knocking down the door right for for a good amount of time once again i mean he had that stretch of golf it would have been one was that last yeah that was 21 end of last year um british masters when we were on him you know porsche european open made the cut the u.s open last year um you know i think he just man earlier this year had had four consecutive top 25 like he is a really good golfer still in my opinion and the price got kind of slashed last week after a t4 um or this week after the t4 last week and it was done through t to green game so if you have an ability to say this, I just literally want the best tee to green golfers, you have to think Eduardo Molinari is right there in the mix of them with all of these guys. I mean, he is probably at least top 10 in that when you look at some of these other guys over the last 50 rounds. I mean, he closed out last week incredibly strong. Now he's short. He's shorter in the odds. What we're getting him at 55 to 1 is the longest that he's available still over here, mainly 45s um, that I'll probably end up betting with places. I'm now into the places on guys, but man, I, I had to dream up something and, and he hasn't really cracked through here. Um, you know, he's made every cut in the last five years, six years, but 
Um, top 20 was his best finish, and that was last year. I just, oh man, I, I love Molinari on a difficult test. So I think you get one or two every year that surprise you that they've still got something left in the tank. And I think he surprised us last year and didn't get over the line. And maybe he just does it this year. Like we saw Richard Bland last year, never thought he was going to win, does what he does, right? We've seen Oliver Wilson win this week, um, who had a you know, difficult enough time winning you know, at his prime, right? Uh, then wins two times since 2014. So someone asked me recently, it was Matt that I do the, the, the Lost Words podcast with, like, he said, like, what about Molinari? I said, I think he's dead. Like, I don't think there's, there's anything left in Molinari, right? And then he just comes back and does exactly what Molinari is good at. And if he just finished in the side of the top 10 and it was all short game based or whatever, you'd be concerned because you'd think, oh, it's just, he's got lucky one week. But he's ball striking coming back at a golf course where he's, again, this this is going to make the course experience point. This this could define it, right? Like he's played here eight times and he's made six cuts and he's never finished better than 20th, but he was ninth after 54 holes last year. Um, he was 22nd when it was just a three-round event. He was eighth at the 36-hole stage um, on his fourth start and then actually shot 81 on the Saturday to take himself out of contention, bounced back with a 72. I have a hard time believing that he can win, but in terms of places, in terms of ball striking, he's someone that you can sort of pin, your, uh, pin yourself to, I think. Yeah, I mean, he closed out last week being eighth, second, and third in the final three rounds in Tita Green. Um, you know, second to John Rahm in the field in uh, Tita Green. So I, I agree, though. I'm setting myself up with a with an interesting card of guys that I'm not normally thinking when you take on kind of a challenge like this, um, you know, who you're, you're going to war with. But uh, I'm ready to settle with them. Um, and uh, let's see. I think we bounce to you next. Oh, I guess Guido's in this range. I hit on Guido. Love Guido. I'm, I'm, you know, having a personal wager on Guido always. You know, I'm not abandoning that ship. But I think um, I, I, you can make the bull case. You can make the bear case on, on Guido each way. We're always rooting for him. Excited. He's had a great finish here before. If he keeps the irons going, I'm not worried about a miscut at the Alfred Dunhill. Uh, you know, always, always cheering on um, kind of our man here. Um, as it gets, but the next golfer for us ends up landing on your end, Tom. So do you want to go in on uh, Scotty Jameson? Yeah, I mean, look, if I say golfers are dead, I mean, Scott Jameson might have been dead before he started, right, in terms of winning. Like, he's just never done it. I think he did it in a two or three round event um, in South Africa and never really built on it. But what he is, is, is a player that hangs around forever. And he, and he pretty much you know, locks in his card most seasons, just looks like he's going to contend at some point. And that has been his career here. So he missed his cut on the debut, on his debut at Valorama, right? Then he's finished 6th, 15th, and 20th. And his halfway positions in each of those starts were 2nd, 6th, and 6th. So over the last three starts here, he's been inside the top six three times. In 2017, he was second going into the weekend, just one shot back of the lead. And he was in sixth place, but two shots back last year. Um, so the fact that he's in contention pretty much every time that you see it up here in the last sort of three years or three starts is impressive. Then you look at the fact before he missed the cut of the Dunhill links, which we seem to be pretty happy to kind of knock out. He made eight straight cuts. He finished fourth at Crans, which is pretty important, I think, for a golf course like this. He was second at the halfway stage at the Hero Open. He was fourth after day one in Italy. And in France, he was 12th going into the final day. So... 
I actually think in a field where outside of Matthew Fitzpatrick, we're not really talking about much firepower. Uh, I know you've got maybe Lee, Ryan Fox, etc. I think Scott Jameson can really surprise. And I, I, I don't think he can win um, because he doesn't. But I think place-wise, DraftKings-wise, I think he's a good bet. And then one more before I just let you come on to yours that I hadn't originally scheduled to talk about. Yost Lawson um, is 80-1. to 1. Now, he finished fifth miscut, second, second on his first four starts here. And then finished 11th, 20th, 52nd and 37th, his last four starts here. So he has tailed off a little bit after a sort of hot start here. But he's starting to play some good golf again. And a little bit like Marcel Seam last week, like you know that the upside of, of Lawson is a win and is multiple of them. So I just think that Lawson could be interesting. I think he's worth putting in a in a DraftKings lineup or two at least. Yeah, I would say uh, Lawton has one of the better histories. Um, I almost came prepared to, to discuss somebody who has potentially the best history or one of the best histories here until I found out he wasn't in the field, and that was Mike Lorenzo Vera. Um, I was excited how Lorenzo Vera closed last week, and I was like, oh, first-round leader, maybe I have something. Not to them this week. But, yes, Yaus, um Juice overall has, has some strong um, history. Um, I'll go into a pair. Uh, we'll go toss to you, and then I'll, I'll close out my final one. So, you mentioned history. You love it. We we love to feel with it. My final three bets don't have any of it. Um, <laughs> they got nothing of it. And I think it's I think it's just profiling into how I'm setting up, you know, kind of this course and golfers who are gaining off the tee, and then golfers who, in combination to that, also have a strong, uh, you know, ability to at least be um, decent around the green. And, and that first one um, is Marcus Helikilda. Like I think he has flashed with the best of them. You know, we have seen him in the mix. I mean, obviously it was T8, T13 in the two PGA events when he played over here. Um, what he, he, in his spot start last year at the Dutch Open was 12th. Uh, if you talk about golfers who had the best challenge tour year and ended up not being the number one player, I guess, in sense to that, that graduating class, Helly Kilda has fit that mold. But I could see it with the way he, he really plays it. He hits it far. Now, there's weeks where he spikes on the accuracy. His accuracy spikes. So you see that. Last time he did that was the Maiden Hammerlin. He finished T8 there. Uh, if you see another accuracy spike, that was at the Barracuda. That was T13 for him there. So the last two times he has gained an accuracy, he has been in the mix of it. So if we can find that with the distance he has, he's the first one for me. And you can find him. He's still available um, 100 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook this week. That's the first one. And then the second one is like a tale as old as time as how we're betting, how I'm, I'm approaching things for it. And one of the first numbers I ran to, okay, so I said, you know, I compared Matty Schmid to, to Yannick Paul in that sense. And I think Yannick has had a better overall year. Somebody played better in the three events, you know, in, in the Corn Ferry Tour finals. And that's what it was. But graduating to the PGA Tour, via Corn Ferry Tour season-long points is a huge achievement. We liked Jeremy Paul last week, and he, he didn't graduate to the Tour. He didn't have as good of a year as Vincent Norman has. And Vincent Norman is, like, not even being touched on at all from, from what this, this field is. I think the number is wild. Like, um, I guess it's the, the Barjan scenario that we had, you know, in, in France, I mentioned, but like Vincent Norman here um, after, you know, doing what he had did all year long on the corn Ferry tour. Um, and not to say he has, he, he was awful at the Sanderson. He was better at the Shriners. He was 
pretty decent at the Fortinet T36. He had a, as good of a year as you probably could have had without winning on the Corn Ferry Tour, and that easily got him in um, to the the PGA Tour. Not easily, I guess, t- 23rd on the list. But I mean, it just all adds up, and he hits the ball well off the tee from what we know about him. He was inside the top 12 in accuracy, greens and regulation, and scrambling. What do I want this week? That That's what I would want. I think Norman fits the bill. He's available at 130 to 1 still. So I think I think I prefer Norman's Heather Kilder. And, and the reason being is I think we're, we're waiting for Heather Kilder to do something that I don't necessarily think is coming, whereas I think we, we've had less of a sample size on Norman. Like, Helicilda's played the DP World Tour all season, hasn't quite broken through. That, that's not to say that you just give up on him because he's been great. Like in, in a macro sense, he's been great. Like he, he's been steady the ship, etc. Norman's more of that kind of a little bit of unknown of what he's going to bring back to the DP World Tour. Doesn't necessarily fit the mold in terms of um, what people think you need at Valderrama. And I think that's the point. Like if, if you're approaching it a different way, whereas big hitters and, and scrambling, then he fits it. Like if you know if Wilco Nineaver can do it, Norman can do it, right? And I think that's the kind of approach you've got to take on those type of players. So I do like him. I think I think there's a lot of upside in him, and I think there's still more to learn about him. I've gone for the more known quantity in the same sort of price range um, in Alejandro Canizares, and I've kind of stuck to my guns from last week. And I would hate to have jumped off after last week, considering this is actually a course that he practices on uh, when he comes home. And despite the fact he's never won here, he's made eight starts and eight cuts. Um, three times in his career, he's been sixth at the halfway stage, and he was actually third once as well. So four times in his career, he's been inside the top six going into the weekend. Does he not convert because he's not very good? Does he not convert because there's too much pressure on him playing in Spain? Does he not convert because Valderrama is very difficult to convert on from the halfway stage? It could be all of them. <laughs> it really could. Like, and that's why he's triple digits, right? And that's why he's not won as much as you know people would hope. But he's a known entity. There's nothing he probably doesn't know about the golf course that's going to hit him this week. Uh, has that local knowledge. So I really like Alejandro Canizares. I think he's one of those ones where like I feel safer about him. And, and if he can surprise me over the weekend. Like, he made a bunch of birdies last week in a row and kind of got me excited at one point and then just didn't materialise. Um so I think that it's definitely worth sticking with him. And then I love um, your final pick here, which I'll probably jump on with. Yeah, I, I was expecting you, if you weren't already on, like this is this was you who really kind of tipped the cap on him um, a few weeks ago and, and kept my eyes there. Everyone loves Matthew Fitzpatrick. This week. He's, the, he's the clear favorite. You know, he's coming back to where he won last year. You know, it's, it's making sense. Five to one, five and a half to one. But man... Alex Fitzpatrick has been sneaky good. Yeah, I mean, you look at his finishes. So, so, so far, he's played three times. 27th at the Italian Open, 13th at the Kazoo Open, 28th at the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. So, if you look at that based off of grading, that last place, the last event that he had was his best event in regards to field strength, in regards to the wave that he had, gave him that that degree um, kind of, of a, a better finish than what the T28 was. So so that's, I mean, you go off of there. I mean, do you simply say that, okay, because he, he may have the course knowledge of a winner at this course just a year ago. I mean, they're probably staying together. I mean, they're probably practicing together. They're doing a lot together, like, he probably could have anybody who has never played here before. I mean, you could say a great caddy, of course, you know, makes all the difference in that sense. But having your brother 
come in with a, a full fledged of knowledge to you is awesome. And, and regardless, if his last name wasn't Fitzpatrick, I would still be pretty intrigued at somebody who has had this profile and, and this kind of um, leap to it, especially once you look at the numbers and you see that he is available at, at still 160 to 1, 150 is there. I just think there's a lot to still be known about Alex Fitzpatrick. And I guess in a spot where I think somebody could show up and like, like when it gets difficult like this, not, I don't know if the, the array of, we've had, we've had good winners. We've definitely had good winners at, at Valderrama. So I don't want to simply say, okay, anybody could pop up for a win here, but I don't know, somebody who could just par this place to death and really show up. I think there's, there's a chance of that. And, and I, I like that with, with Alex Fitzpatrick. 31st, 6th and 34th is our three starts around the green, um, which is really solid. And that 34th is probably better, like you say, when you put into context um, the, the weirdness of the numbers there and the fact that he was in a strong, you know, tough wave. So um, he's not the typical debutant, like you say. He's going to be, not only has he got Matt's knowledge of the two years he's played around one here, but he's also got Billy Foster's knowledge, who's, I'm sure, going to share it with him. Like, I'm sure they're going to play practice rounds together. I'm sure they're going to help each other out. Caddy-wise, I don't think he's, like, hiding his secrets from his brother. Like, I think he's going to help him. Um, he needs to get status, right? Like, it's it, he needs somewhere to play all year next year. And I think he'll actually be a very, very... If he gets somewhere that he can land permanently next year, he's going to just shoot up, I think. I think when you look at, actually, his college career, it's not obviously as good as Matt's was, but it was pretty damn good. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. All right. So that puts us to a close there, Tom. Let's go through um, your card one more time as we finish out. Yeah, so for me, Yannick Paul at 45 to 1. Scott Jameson, 90 to 1, or whatever it is that you can get about him as well. Uh, Yost Lauten, that similar price, I think is worth looking at. I haven't put him up, but I am tempted by him. Alejandro Canizares, 125 to 1. And Matt Fitzpatrick with you at 160 to 1. Uh, Alex Fitzpatrick. Uh, I'll, I'll correct you, Alex Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yes, I wish we could give Matt Fitzpatrick. That'd be great, yeah. Um, so I'm on Minwoo Lee. You can find him 22 to 25 to one. Um, and then we'll have um, Jordan Smith at 28 to one. Go down to Eduardo Molinari, uh, 45 to 50 to one. Uh, he's 50 to one at DraftKings Sportsbook there. Marcus Helikilda, 100 to one. Um, Vincent Norman, 130 to one. And then close it out with Alex Fitzpatrick, um, available at 160 to one. I'm excited for this week. I enjoy the appetite of what Valderrama brings. I'm ready for some challenges for our guys and just, just par, just finish even par, you know, and and you go into Sunday with even par. I think you got a shot. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's one of those, it's a special week. It's it's a famous golf course and wish the field was a little bit stronger for those reasons, but uh, the modern day doesn't allow for that. So let's get a winner. Amen. Best of luck, everybody. And then we'll catch you next week. Take care. Thanks so much.